can picture that going by on the conveyor belt. And it's about acknowledging it and saying, oh, there, I understand why that came out of me. But I don't need that right now because right now everything is fine and I'm, and I'm safe. And so I'm gonna let that box just keep going on the conveyor belt. And in this way of just acknowledging the emotions and the thought processes, instead of just shoving them away or giving into them completely, we start taking back the power of healing. Hello, and welcome to Healing Trauma Mamas. I'm your host, Madon Wingo. Thank you for joining us as we share in our stories and experiences of healing from childhood traumas and birth traumas. Listen as we discuss our struggles, our failures, our strengths and our victories, and all those lessons we've learned along the way. Hello, Healing Trauma Mamas. I get to have a special guest today on the podcast. Um, Christy, would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, yes, I'm Christy Davis. I'm um, a CPM and the owner and founder of the Perinatal Trauma Center at Blue Columbine, where I work with resolving traumatic birth with families on a one-on-one basis. The name Blue Columbine might sound a little bit familiar to our listeners. Um, a, the podcast episode before this one um, was actually a guest who had used your services. And I know we linked, um, yeah, to your website so that people could find out more information. So do you want to jump in just kind of telling us a little bit what is Blue Columbine? What's the, per- the perinatal trauma services there? Yeah, Absolutely. Blue Columbine began as Blue Columbine Birth, which is my um, midwifery business that I'm working hard at retiring from, but failing miserably <laughs> because I keep taking repeat clients. Um, Those are hard <laughs> to say no to. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm really leaning more into this work with trauma. Um, and so one of my favorite demographics to work with, excuse me, I've got a tickle in my throat, <laughs> are folks that have had a previous traumatic delivery and have just, I've just really enjoyed over the years helping redeem their next birth experience and make it just really positive regardless of how, when, where they deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, I just thought, you know, I, I'd love to just extend this reach that it doesn't have to come from me as a midwife provider, but you know, there's, there's ways that we can heal and resolve traumatic births to prepare people for their next birth, or even, you know, if it's their final birth, just their parenting journey in general. And so I went on and educated myself and got multiple certifications in um, trauma-specific, trauma-specific trainings. Um, And through that combined my experience as years and years of attending births as a clinician with that trauma um, education to create a, a really unique program for processing and healing traumatic birth. That's awesome. That's that's so needed. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's been an amazing journey. I bet. Can you tell us, maybe start at the beginning, if you don't mind, kind of your story a little bit and how you actually got into this work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I found myself 21 years old and alone and pregnant and um, through that knew that somehow, even though I was still a child myself, that I really wanted to take control of my own birth experience and, and have a natural birth. Like it just didn't feel right to be tied down to machines and all that. And through that, I met, um, a doula in my town who 
really took me under her wing and I ended up training with her after my son was born. Um, that was a hospital birth and it was fine. Um, you know, I wouldn't call out in traumatic. It just was a hospital birth. Mm -hmm. It was, was great because I got to be my son. Um, but I trained with, her name was Jenny Whitty for years and years as a doula, monetries and midwife assistant. Um, and then after I completed college, had my own kids, um, two more, and those were home births. I apprenticed with the midwife that helped me with those babies and ended up apprenticing under several other midwives. And that was, that was really interesting because I got to really learn things that I really liked about all of their practices and things I didn't so much, um, mm -hmm. and created my own midwifery practice, um, as a CPM. And in working as a midwife and going through my apprenticeship and all of that work, I just, really the trauma just stood out to me. Um, the trauma that occurs even in the most well-intentioned home births, the trauma that occurs with provider violence, the trauma, you know, it just can come from so many places. And it can be as simple as just one little thing that somebody says that is misinterpreted or insensitive or or whatever, but it can leave such a huge mark on us where, when we're in that highly, highly vulnerable state. Mm -hmm. And so that's what really started me paying attention to it. Um, and then, like I said, I just went on to, to expand that work. That's awesome. Well, that's kind of how I got, you know, started my journey too, was, was I had a, my babies and then I started, I was a doula and then started doing student midwifery work. And then I started seeing all these mamas that had had previous issues or trauma in their birth and going, whoa, wait a second here. Uh, there's like some, some major work here that needs to be done. And, and just looking at that vulnerable state and how, how not only does things from our past come out during that time, but all the stuff that can happen during that time that just will stay with us the rest of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, for me, I would describe and this is something that I didn't identify actually until I was going through my trauma training, but I would describe one moment of trauma in my second delivery that stayed with me for years. And it was just as simple as, you know, pushing this baby's head out of my body. And she was my big one. She was my nine pounder. Um, and I just had a moment where I thought I was leaving my body, where I thought I was dying. And then, you know, she came out and everything was fine. And it was, you know, the picture perfect home birth. Um, and it wasn't until I was going through, like I said, these these trauma training modules that I was like, oh, this all fits together. Because for about a year after that birth, I would say maybe 18 months, I would have anxiety attacks about dying, about, you know, mm. morbidity. And mm. I really now know that that came from that split 30 seconds in, in my second delivery and that now I have the tools to solve that and take care of it. But you know, it's, it's so interesting that it can happen, like you said, based on things from our past, based on moments that happen in, in the delivery room. And we may not even identify it as trauma, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but our bodies remember every little bit of it. Well, yeah, the body keeps the score. Absolutely. I think it's interesting because uh, something you just said reminded me of that, too, that I was thinking about a lot of times talking to mamas, we talk about how throughout the pregnancy, learning to make informed decisions um about your body you know taking that that 
empowered stance of this is my baby, this is my birth, you know, and being able to make decisions. We ask them questions about everything, right? Hey, go go research this and decide what you want to do about this. And I was talking to a mom the other day and I was like, this is setting up for you to make decisions for your baby because <laughs> you're a mom now. And this is going to be the rest of your life with your child that you're going to have to make decisions. Well, I noticed that those mamas who have issues, maybe even a small issue, like you were saying in, in birth, that that issue, that small little thing can go with them throughout their parenting. And as they're raising up that little baby and completely affect them and how they're looking at themselves and how they're looking, if they started off rocky and felt like they had no say, or they didn't know what they were doing at all, or they were out of control, then a lot of times their parenting and how, you know, that that wonderful first couple years with your new little one that you're both figuring each other out, it's all based off that false information that you had from the birth. Absolutely, 100%. Um, you know, I have a lot of people that are like, well, you know, maybe I just need to get over it. It was hard, but, you know, and I think that people definitely underestimate the effect it has going forward on yes as you very very accurately stated their parenting relationship with their child but also in their relationships with their partner mm -hmm. and every every single aspect of how they interact with the world of other mothers and you know you know, everything and so while yes maybe you can sort of suck it up and get over a difficult thing that happened to you it takes a little more than that to really find that peace and that confidence moving forward. And it's just so, so important. Mm, yeah. Very, very important. So um, how would you go about, could you give us some tools or some tips to, to help mamas who are listening right now that maybe let's just start with the, the smaller things like that. I'll give an example for myself. Um, and one of my births, um, it actually was the fastest, the smoothest it was my first water birth, um, had to use a different midwife than I had used with my three other home births. So that was a little rocky, right? Cause we had a really good relationship with the other midwife, but she lived 10 hours away now. So we couldn't still have her, um, even though we wanted to. So I had to try to form this relationship with this new midwife and it went okay, but it wasn't the best, Right. And the birth was going super fast and I finally was getting a water birth like I wanted. I had the fetal ejection reflex, you know, which I'd never experienced before. So I was, you know, all these really awesome things happen. But my midwife, when she came in to the room, which she only was there for an hour before baby or less, I, I was rocking and rolling. And um, when she came in, she immediately said something negative towards my children. And it was, and it was just two negative things right away. Negative how I had, uh, where I had put the birth pool, which is where we had agreed it was going to go. Um, and then the fact that my children were sitting on the bed in the, in the corner watching and we were all laughing and talking and she was upset at them. And she said, well, how am I going to have my equipment in here? And I'm like, I left you plenty of space. And, and she's like, well, they're not allowed to touch it. And it was immediately negative towards my children and this beautiful birth where everything should have been just wonderful. I mean, he, it was, it was picture perfect. I was so frustrated and I immediately, then my husband of course got onto the kids. Oh guys, don't touch her stuff. And then I'm like mad at him because he said something to 
the the children in negative and I'm in this space. So I'm literally like, like I'm in transition about to push this baby out. And I just want people not to say a word negative towards my children. <laughs> and it was just, it's crazy because the whole birth was beautiful, but I walked away feeling negative about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so difficult. Um, so in a nutshell, you know, when I do this work, I'm very careful never to speak about a provider's decisions um, unless it's blatant cases of provider violence, which mm -hmm. sadly happens. Um, you know, but what we really work into is perceptions of how you felt. And in that moment, when all of that changed, the shift in how you felt everything was going and the safety and joy that you were feeling with the experience and that became different, what in effect happened is your body sent you the message that you're no longer safe in this space. Um, and that is honestly what's at the root of all trauma is the body understanding I'm no longer safe in this space. In your case, you felt that really intensely ingrained need to protect your children. And to have to go into that mode of thinking and that mode of, of survival of protecting your children in this space where your body needed to be very able to be vulnerable and able to let go um, is, is really confusing and conflicting and difficult. Um, and so what the, the work that we do in the program, and even though there's a million different variations of trauma and a million different stories of how it occurs, what it all comes down to is like I said, that, that perception of being unsafe in the experience. Mm -hmm. And so what we really work really hard on, let me say really one more time. <laughs> um, well, it's is, really important. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, is teaching the body that it is indeed safe. And so that when we think about and process the intense emotions that at work around this experience, we can do that in a place where the body understands that it is safe. And then that way, the emotions themselves become much easier to process. I think that one thing that is often sort of misunderstood about trauma is that trauma and emotion are really separate things. Um, you know, they always occur together, but that our emotions are what we think and feel and perceive about what happened. And what trauma is, is the physical reaction in the body that wants to protect us from what is either happening or what we're reminiscing about or storytelling about. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so when we're in that place of feeling unsafe, the trauma always gets in the way of healing the emotion. And mm -hmm. so what we would work to do first up is help the body learn how to understand that it's safe from that experience. And really at the end of the day, what that comes down to is self-regulation, which is a really nice way of saying very intentional relaxation of the body systems. And once we're in a relaxed body, we can start to acknowledge and understand the emotions that we're going through. Mm -hmm. um, in my practice, I often use the imagery of thoughts being in boxes on a conveyor belt. So when we think about our birth experience and for you and your situation, that need to protect that like mama bear emotion, we can call it, you can picture that going by on the conveyor belt 
And it's about acknowledging it and saying, oh, there, I understand why that came out of me. But I don't need that right now because right now everything is fine as I, and, I'm, and I'm safe. And so I'm going to let that box just keep going on the conveyor belt. And in this way of just acknowledging the emotions and the thought processes, instead of just shoving them away or giving into them completely, we start taking back the power of healing, of saying, oh, fear? Yeah, I was really afraid during that birth. And I understand why fear keeps coming around on the conveyor belt. My body is trying to protect me, and that's good. But I don't need to invite the fear in right now. I'm going to let it keep going. Mm. And some thoughts will, as soon as they're acknowledged once, fall off the end of that conveyor belt. You'll never see them again. Some mm -hmm. thoughts will just keep coming around and around, and you will just continue acknowledging and understanding them until at one point the boxes get smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually stop coming. Mm, that's great. I love that. That's something pretty easy that I could do to just be able to work through that. So then I don't feel like that's still, <laughs> still a traumatic thing, even though it was it from my perspective, I'm like, but that was so little, you know, I've been to so many births where there's something so little, but again, perspective of that is a very heightened moment um, yes. for me. I've thought about that too. And, and, you know, just trying to make sure as a provider coming in that I'm very careful with my words because as a student, I've messed up before and not, you know, been as careful as I should have been and had to apologize later. And just a very simple comment. Then I later I thought, ooh, that she could have, you know, that that may not have been the best, you know. From the provider perspective, we need to be really careful too that yes, we we are using our words effectively and correctly. Um, but inevitably, there will be something said at some point that is either misinterpreted or misspoken by us. And we have to be careful when we start to acknowledge those moments, not to project our trauma onto our, our clients either. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that thing that we think of that may be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. We need to come with questions. How did you feel about your birth? Was there anything that stuck with you? And if that comes up to be ready to apologize, but we have to be careful not to plant seeds of something that may not have affected that person. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. That's actually something that I was recently talking with my preceptor about um, because something that popped up in my head, a question I wanted to ask a mom, but then I stopped and I didn't ask her the question because I thought if I ask her the question, then she's going to put in her head that maybe she, that's an issue. And I didn't want her to even think that that might be an issue. <laughs> yeah, because that's your perception of the experience that you witnessed. Mm -hmm. And her perception may be very different. And, our, you know, our role, I know that we'll talk about this more when we talk a little bit about the provider mm -hmm. stuff, other episode. But, but just, I think it's important for um, families listening in, too, to understand that our role as clinicians is not to shape your experience, but to support your experience. And so... Well, yes, we are not perfect. I can think of a conversation I had with a client last week where I 100% put my foot in my mouth. Mm. Um, you know, it, it happens. We're human. Um, but that having the ability to have open communication with your provider, to be able to say, hey, you know, this thing has been bothering me about this experience. Can we, you know, can you explain to me what happened there? Just being able to have that open communication 
can eliminate so much trauma. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, as, as providers being able to separate, separate our perception of the experience from our client's perception of the experience is really vital. Well, I also think that's probably, you know, why I always feel it's so important that I tell moms to go, especially, you know, early on in their pregnancy and they're looking for a provider, how important it is to interview as many different ones as you can to try to find that person that you connect with, that you're going to feel safe with and that you're going to make a good relationship with so that you you can have those conversations, that you can ask the questions that you need to ask, you know, you can feel like you're heard and that, you know, they're not going to think it's a stupid question and they're going to help you. Yes, absolutely. I, I always feel so bad when anybody sits either in my office as a trauma client or as a midwifery patient and and feels like they have to apologize for the questions they ask. I'm sorry, this may be a stupid question, mm-hmm. but oh, what has happened in us that we have to apologize for questioning? Yeah, and- I've I've been one to do that often myself. And I, I'm a for, firm believer that there is the perfect midwife for everyone. Like, I'm so thankful there's such a while, you know, midwives all have the same model of care um, that they practice. We're all extremely very different people. <laughs> and we're going to relate better to different people. I completely believe that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's 100 percent true um, that, you know, I, I believe even in group practices, it always seems to line up where the right midwife shows up for the right birth. Yes. Um, you know, it's 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 nice. And, and you know, just no matter what, again, clients having the the ability to communicate openly with their providers, whether that's doctors, nurses, midwives. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. So any mom is out there listening that happen, you know, to be pregnant or looking for a provider, it's just so important to, I mean, ask the questions, ask all of the questions and have them sit down and talk with you. I do know a few OBs that will actually sit down and have interviews with clients and and let them ask all their questions. Um, it's not as common as I would like it to be. Um, but I know most midwives, uh, we're like, please go. Who else have you interviewed? Uh, you know, I want you to sit and let's have a conversation. Bring us all your questions. We we want to be able to answer them for you. Hey, listeners. Did you know that over 40% of women describe their births as traumatic? Well, this is where Christy at the Perinatal Trauma Center at Blue Columbine can help. Christy is not only a registered midwife in Colorado, but she's also a certified trauma professional. She's developed a birth trauma survivors program just for listeners like you. This program consists of four one-on-one sessions with Christy, and the sessions are offered either in their Colorado Springs office, if you happen to be local, or via telehealth. So all you have to do is go to her website at perinataltraumacenter.com and get signed up for the course. Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention, there's also an option for couples so your partner can come along too. Chrissy has so graciously offered a discount for Healing Trauma Mamas listeners. All you have to do is use the code TRAUMAMAMAS50 at checkout. So what do you think would be um, a good way for, let's say, a mama who maybe did have some previous trauma experience in a birth and she's looking for a new midwife? Um, what's a good way for her to approach that? 
I think that absolutely stating that, yes, I experienced a traumatic delivery last time. And what I really work with in the program is, is like I was talking about the boxes on the conveyor belt, that idea of acknowledgement and containing things. And as we do that in this work, we really try to draw out what were the moments of the trauma. Usually it's not the entire delivery. Um, usually it's this moment and this thing that happened. And if you're able to identify those things, to be, to be able to bring those specifically to your provider and say, it was when I was planning for a child, you know, a sibling attended birth, I was planning for my children to be there. And it felt to me like they were unwelcome. Um, how do you handle sibling attended births? Nice. Um, you know, how can you help me feel that my children are safe in the delivery room, you know, with me? Um, and I, I think it's, I personally, because of the results I've seen with my program, I think it's vitally important to do that trauma work ahead of this upcoming birth. Um, yeah, absolutely bonus points if it's done before you are even interviewing with a provider. But, um, you know, because one thing that trauma work does is give you the ability to talk about your trauma without feeling like you're living it again, without re-traumatizing. Yes, yes, absolutely. When you go to talk to your provider about it, you can do it in a really succinct and relational way that helps them understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, often when we haven't done the work and we're just feeling so untethered about it, we have a really hard time vocalizing our needs. Does that make sense? And so I feel like really working together to learn how to vocalize those needs and then take those to your provider, to your doctor, to your nurse, to your midwife, to whoever's involved with your birth. One thing that we do, um, I work with a great deal of folks that are pregnant again and heading into their next birth and realizing they need to get this last birth figured out first. And we come up with a really individualized um, birth birth plan from a trauma-informed perspective. So we discover like, here's the things that happened to you in your birth that made you feel unsafe. And so these are the things that we can talk to your provider about specifically. And here's, you know, our suggestions on how you can do the work to, to make sure you feel safe in this arena. Um, you know, we can't sit down with a provider and ask for every potential traumatic incident under the sun and how that can be handled. And, you know, that's too, it's too overwhelming, but to be able to succinctly identify your areas, areas where you feel unsafe and bring those to your provider makes the conversation much more effective. Yeah. And that's, and that's really great for, I'm going to go another route here because that's really great for what I would deem those, those minor traumas, right? And those, those things that like maybe things just didn't quite go the way we were wanted. They're still trauma for sure, but their scale is a little bit lower, but let's go the other direction a little bit. And I'll just say, I'm, I'm here on the podcast and this is my podcast. So I'm going to say what I want, I guess, but I'll just give myself as an example, because most anybody who's listening to this podcast has heard my personal story. And if they heard me on um, the Healing um, Trauma Mamas um, episode on Happy Home Birth um, podcast, I talked more about in depth about my my births, and that that birth I talked about a few 
minutes ago was my fifth birth. My my first water birth was my fifth birth. But my last birth was extremely traumatic. And previous past sexual trauma came up in this trauma also. And I am way better than I was. And the Lord has really been helping me heal through all of that. But even just you and I having this conversation right now, I have been trying to breathe as deeply as possible because I'm shaking so bad. And that is my typical trauma response is I will start chattering. I'm surprised you guys haven't heard my teeth chattering and my my leg will start going and my arms will start going. And it's like I'm freezing cold, but I'm not. And that is a trauma response for me. And we haven't even talked about any in-depth trauma that I've had with just a very minor. And I'm already getting to that point. So if I was coming to a provider now. Can I interrupt for one second? Oh, yes, absolutely. Let's get your body into a place of regulation. Let's pull your body out of that fight, flight, or freeze response that it's having and get you into a place of regulation. So as you go on to talk more about what happened to you, you'll be in that place where your body understands it's safe. And this is a really simple little exercise that I love a lot. Um, And it's really fast. It's really effective. I've used it in my own life many times. I've used it with clients many times. But just take a moment right now to identify in the room around you three things that you can see and just say them out loud to me. My belt, a scarf, and my computer. And this one may be a little more difficult since you're in your um, recording. My podcast (laughs) closet. (laughs) For me, if you're able, three things that you can hear right now. You can use my voice as one. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear a a fan. There's a fan going. And I actually have ringing in one of my ears because I have tinnitus. (laughs) And then your voice would have to be the other one. All right. And now pick up an object that's near you any object, and just tell me three things about that object that you can feel, just three qualities of the object. Okay, I picked up my Bible that was sitting beside me, and I can feel the embroidered flowers on the front of it. Is that what you're saying, feel? Yes, yes. And I like the way the pages feel when I flip through it. And... It's making sound too. So I like the sound that it makes. <laughs> there you go. And so now tell me, do you feel different in your body? I do. Yeah, I do feel calmer. I do feel, and it's, and it's not like, like, I'm very excited that we're having this conversation, Um, but it's definitely that trauma response. Um, And that's a great way to get grounded. I love it. Yeah. The, the mechanism of that one that is, is so neat to me, the sensory experience, if you are per se running through a jungle being hunted by a lion, your body's not going to allow you to have the wherewithal to like do those type of sensory exercises. You know, this is an exercise of someone who is safe in their space. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to sit and identify the things that you can see, hear, feel, um, you know, just really sends the message to the body that you are in this moment, in this room where you are 100% safe. Mm. And that that reaction that your body was happening, was having, was only a perception of being unsafe, not an actual danger. I love it. That's not my actual reality right now. Yeah, it's, it's your thought reality of remembering 
what's what has happened and what you're preparing to talk about. And mm-hmm. so as you go forward and continue to talk about your experience, constantly just reminding your body that you're safe is really important. I think it's interesting because just from my own personal experience, and I've seen other other women have the same thing too. Like I may be able to talk about it one time to a person and have no problem, right? Talk very calmly, very matter-of-factly, this, this, and this happened, you know, and this is my history or whatever, and I'm fine. And then another time I could be talking to somebody about it and I'm just losing it. And it's very interesting how how the body responds to both different, you know, scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would say, look at the times that you felt really calm and safe telling your story and look at the times where you felt unsafe telling your story. And what have been the circumstances of those? I would imagine that the times where you felt calm and safe, things in your life were less stressful. And the person that you were talking to, you had no perception of judgment or any problems with telling the story. Whereas the times where your body was really reactive, you know, maybe life was really stressful that day. Or maybe the person that you're speaking with is not somebody you necessarily feel like sharing the whole story with, but yet for some reason you feel obligated to, um, you know, that all of those outside forces can definitely have an effect on how we are in our bodies as we tell the story. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I'm thinking about those things right now, as you were saying, I was like, Oh, yep. That, yep. That, <laughs> um, absolutely the truth. Well, so, so if, if you have a mama like, like me, somebody that's had previous, most probably everybody on this podcast has, has heard my story um, before, but so we've got all kinds of layers of, of trauma, you know, cult life raising, sexual tra- trauma, birth trauma, mental um, trauma, and we've got all those things. And now we've added a few other things to it, too, as a student. Um, but if they if somebody has, you know, this smorgasbord of of trauma built up and then say I was pregnant and I was coming, you know, to a new provider it's can be you can shut down and you not even say anything don't say a word about any of that kind of stuff and what's a good way for a mom to feel like to to broach the conversation and to be able to start getting out of this besides I'm sure going and dealing with the trauma I mean finding your website like I I would I would say that I mean which we're going to link to on here and everything but being able to go deal with it, yes, but say they haven't been able to do that yet. So there's there's a lot of layers to that question. Um, first I'm good off, at that. <laughs> so first off, one thing that I would say, especially if it's somebody that has not been able to really heal from the trauma or somebody who just has not good feelings about their birth experience, but maybe they don't know why because they haven't identified it as trauma. Sometimes people shy away from that word, Um, but things just don't feel right. And so you're going to interview with a provider and it just doesn't like, you just don't know why you're unsettled. I think that asking questions is always a great way to get information. 
And so instead of feeling like you have the burden of trying to like verbalize these things that you may not even have words for, or, you know, in your case, there's, there's so many layers, there's so much, it's, it's a lot to go into, you know, in a half hour or hour interview, um, you know, just being able to say, I have some unsettled feelings, you know, I don't know exactly what those are about, but can you tell me just your philosophy of care and how, you know, are you, what is your communication standard like? Are you available from nine to five? What is your after hours? Just being able to understand those things of like, is this a person that I'm going to be provided with the access I need? Or is this a person, you know, who I've, I'm going to have a hard time getting to, you know, when you call a doctor's office and you get the nurse on call and then you have to wait, mm-hmm. you know, which is, I think, more of a, a flaw of our system than a flaw of our actual providers. But, um, you know, just how, how am I going to be able to communicate with my provider, even though I don't know exactly what I need to communicate about? And no matter what, having those kind of answers and having those kind of understandings and boundaries with the provider is going to make you automatically feel safer. So, you know, the example I just use is communication. Um, in my own paperwork, I have a form that says, this is how you communicate with me. After hours is for emergencies only. You know, I respond to texts in this amount of time. And, you know, just so that my <clears throat> um, midwifery clients can just feel really safe with the understanding of how our communication will work. And so just finding those things so you can start discovering what the boundaries are with your provider will immediately instill a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously if there are boundaries that you wholeheartedly don't feel safe with or don't agree with, then you find a different provider. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I think that that's, that's important. I think sometimes we as midwives, just want to love and care for people. And so that that's something where sometimes I think we fall short is not establishing those practice boundaries with our, mm-hmm. with our patients. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Something I've learned a lot about in doing the trauma work and really, it's really shaped my practice that, you know, I'm failing from retiring. <laughs> <laughs> How about instead of saying retiring, you're transitioning into a new there you go. Era. I don't know. <laughs> I keep laughing every time I get a call from a repeat client. You know, they always talk about the like foster fails where people are fostering a dog and they fail by keeping the dog. Yes. <laughs> retirement fails. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you're just, uh, um, uh, instead of fully retiring, what's it called when you just do like, um, like a reserve, you know, like in, in the army, you know, yeah. you have reserve. Yeah. That's yeah. So, good. so you're just, you're just a reserve midwife. Yeah. <laughs> and doing your trauma work on the side. Yeah. Uh, well, so um, if, if I know a lot of our listeners have trauma, so uh, I want to see like maybe some more tools that we could give them to help them and then maybe walk through um, your program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's no wrong way to regulate the body um, when it's done intentionally. And so, you know, a lot of what I work with are things like counted breath. Um, counted breath is a beautiful way to regulate the body. Um, when we are in our state of being 
where we're existing in that fight, flight, or freeze mechanism, mm-hmm. um, we're living mostly in our brainstem. Or if anybody is out there is familiar at all with the vagus nerve, <clears throat> we're in our dorsal vagal state, our old vagus nerve, the one that you know protected us from lions in the jungle when we were cavemen. Um, and so those that part of our body is not responsible for counting. Our brainstem doesn't count. That that's an activity that occurs in our frontal cortex. And so doing something so simple as slowing the breath while you count it is immediately pulling you out of that dorsal vagal state into the ventral vagal, out of that sympathetic nervous system brainstem area into your parasympathetic nervous system, frontal cortex, thinking, rational area of appropriate social engagement. And so that's one that I just really love is counted breath. Um, and, you know, there's a million and one ways of doing it, um, but it can just be as simple as inhale one, exhale two, inhale three, exhale four, start over at 10, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, but, you know, really at the end of the day, all of these techniques are extremely simple and trauma work can be extremely simple. It's just not easy because we often refuse to do it in the moment. Um, we, we, I think we get stuck because we're scared if the, the healing begins to take place, we start losing the significance of the event. And so it's like we are our own worst enemies sometimes in this. Mm-hmm. So if you are able to convince yourself to do it, the work is instant and easy. Um, I think, yeah, the hard part is really convincing ourselves like, okay, I want to get out of this feeling of panic. I want to get out of, you know, as you were so aptly describing the feeling of shaking so hard that my teeth are chattering. Like that's, I want to leave that. Um, and sometimes we really fight ourselves on that. But if you're able to push past that, counted breath is a fantastic, quick, simple, easy way to pull yourself back into yeah, I've used that one. And and that's an easy one to use when you're in public or when you're out in it. And about I had an issue as a uh, somebody I, I was, had a doula client uh, one time with. And there was a kind of some a heated moment kind of came out between her and her husband. And uh, it kind of got turned towards me. And I felt myself immediately starting to have, you know, a trauma response um, because I was like, oh, I just want to get out of here, you know. Um, but I did the exact same thing. I just paused and I started counting my breaths and breathing and I looked around the room for a little bit and just tried to get myself grounded. And that worked really, really well. And then I was like, this is not my issue. This is their issue, <laughs> you know, and, and they're going to be fine there. I just need to still stay and support, you know, and, yeah. and it did, it, it, it went, you know, really well for them. And they thanked me so much for sticking that out, you know, <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. But that, that counted breath is exactly what I used at that time. And it worked really well. Yeah. It's, it's really, really good for (laughs) taking that moment, getting back in your body, regulating. That's awesome. Do you have any other, um, just easy tips for, for moms to kind of, I say easy, but we all know working on our trauma can be really hard. (laughs) Um, you know, the other one that just just sort of to be able to be be 
um, some of them that we talk about take take a long time, but but to just really practice a lot and practice, you know, I I talk in my program about in, integrating a daily practice, which often makes people have a trauma reaction. Just thinking about what a daily practice. I have a million kids, and mm-hmm. um, but for me, wanting things to be ever accessible. What I mean by daily practice is just a couple times a day when you think of it, stop and just breathe deeply and slow down and just show the body what it feels like to take full deep breaths and what it feels like to, you know, pull the shoulders away from your ears and just slow down for, you know, two minutes. But the more that we can access that and the more that we can really remind our body how to be in that state the easier it is to access that state when we need it. Mm-hmm. So I think that'd be my big one, big takeaway is just, you know, practice. And that's kind of reminding the body that you're in control too. Yes, 100%. Yeah, then nothing, it's, nothing's going out of control. There's nobody else, you know, trying to take over at the moment. It's just, you, you do have control over your body and you can tell it to stop what it's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. You just got to get back in it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yes. So, um, if, if any of our listeners, um, go and want to take your courses, um, together to work with you, can you kind of walk us through what that would look like for them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I work in telehealth as well as in person. So if you're not in the Colorado Springs area, um, we can do it all over telehealth. Um, And it's a four session program. Um, Session one really works on a lot of those regulating techniques that we're talking about and, and the mechanism of trauma and how it works in our body. And, you know, just right out of the gate, giving some just good tools about how to regulate the body. Um, In session two, we work a lot more into the storytelling mechanism we really seek to heal our traumas by telling our story, by connecting with people. Um, you know, I'm sure every pregnant woman or woman that has been pregnant that has listened to this podcast has had an experience somewhere along the way where somebody walked up to her pregnant belly and told her their horror story. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, it's just sort of this known thing. Mm-hmm. And, and what that is, is it's these people that are triggered by the sight of that pregnant, pregnant belly and are trying so desperately to heal And so they're just trying to like pour that story out of them. And what they don't realize is that every time that story is told in an unregulated body, you're, you're only re-traumatizing yourself that, you know, the trauma is only continuing. And so we work a lot on the mechanism in that second session of how to tell a story without re-traumatization. Um, we work a lot in that session on that idea that I talked a little bit about, about the um, compartmentalization in the way of acknowledgement and containment of feelings instead of just like trying to push them away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get prepared for the following week of how we will tell the birth story. And so then it's the third session that the, the client will tell me their story and um, then we'll debrief it together a little bit. And then the fourth session is the what now session. Okay. Like you've gotten that off of your test. You've done it in a safe way. 
And now you know what it feels like to tell your story in a safe way. And this is how you need to practice telling your story, you know, from now on. Um, and then what now? We talk a whole lot about your relationship with your partner because traumatic delivery changes that period, mm-hmm. full stop period. Um, but it doesn't mean that that needs to be bad. And so, you know, we just talked a lot about that. We talk a lot about if, you know, the client is pregnant about their um, specific trauma-informed birth plan and how to discuss that with your providers in an effective way. Um, And if they're not pregnant, it's we just continue really to debrief and plan for if you do find yourself pregnant again, this is what this can look Mm -hmm. like for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I also offer a um, couples program. And so in that program, um, partners work together. We do the first two sessions as a team, and then we break up for the third session. So I'll do an individual um, session with the birthing person and an individual session with the birthing partner. And then we I come love back for the fourth session. I think that's wonderful because I think a lot of times the dads in these situations are forgotten. <laughs> Yes. And I found when I started doing this work that I would never have dad sign up. And that's what helped me or partners sign up. And that's what helped me to um, create the partner program, because I found that if they came together, mm-hmm. it made birth partners much more willing to join in the process. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's been a great way to to reach birth partners. I love that. That's wonderful. Because their experience matters, too. And, you know, obviously, the reason we do that third separate third session separate is that their perception of what happened is completely different from the perception of the birthing person in that moment. Yep. And so we need to not cloud each other's perceptions, but instead work into your own experience. And I think that a lot of times birth partners don't feel entitled to their experience because they're not the one that went through Mm -hmm. ABCD. They're not the one that had to push a baby out of their body or have surgery or, you know, but their experience also matters. Oh, you for know, sure. That helplessness is is something that can, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, can, can really carry into their parenting journey. And so it's important. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate now of dealing with the trauma and trying to, you know, work uh, through it and heal because it affects us so much through every aspect of our life. Um, whether it's raising our kids, whether it's relationship with our partner, whether it's relationship with our parents, our friends. I mean, I feel like it just, it goes into everything. And if we never work on it and we never heal from it, then we're going to be stuck. And it's going to be just so difficult on our body, mentally, physically, um, all of it, all the way around. And you're going to lose a lot of joy that you could have. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, this this program is open to anybody that's had a baby. Um, you know, whether it was 20 years ago and you're still carrying it. You know, one of the one of the things that really triggered me into this program is I was sitting um having a glass of wine with a neighbor of mine and our sons were friends, and I think they were were maybe 15 or 16 at the time that this conversation occurred. And she began talking about his birth, which often happens around me I'm sure you know being a birth <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um and she became really emotional about it and in this experience you know what she was really perceiving was that she had to manage the experience she could never just like sit back and trust that she was safe and okay that she was constantly in that 
in that fight mechanism the entire time. Um, and she carried so much guilt about it that she was in tears of like, if I had done it better, if I had managed this better, you know, instead of really understanding that like, oh no, you shouldn't have had to manage it at all. You should have felt safe. Um, and, you know, having that conversation with her and realizing, man, this is 15 years after this birth, you never had another kid and you're still carrying that emotion. <sighs> you know, it's, it's, yep. it's like, yeah, you, what you said, it, it just never goes away. And we don't think that we're living it and carrying it. And yet somehow we are. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's just so much better if we can, um, you know, work through it. But I do find a lack of resources. I find a lack of, you know, people who, um, even if like, like therapists going to even counselors and therapists because of their limited, maybe training in, in birth world stuff, that that actually is a little difficult, um, to talk with them about. Cause I know I even struggle with that a little bit with my counselor that I ended up going to, but we don't have very many providers like you that are certified trauma professionals that can, can, you know, do the work alongside, um, these mamas and partners to help them heal from it. Yes. And, you know, that's something that's in my, in my upcoming events with this work is, <laughs> is essentially start creating a certification for other people to do it. Other birth workers to become certified in the trauma center. That would be um, wonderful. Programs. I'm just not quite there yet. There's a lot, yeah. a lot of things on the horizon. Um, you know, again, like you said, this, this, there's so few resources. I'm just finding like my ideas and everything that I want to do is wonderful but totally overwhelming so, <laughs> i'm sure absolutely down the road i really am excited to start doing is is training people in this particular work that i do well we definitely have a big need for it and i'm so glad you've already started so much work into it and it's just going to progress i'm sure into just um you know just continuing to help lots more mamas and I know you're doing great where you are but yeah getting to expand out and getting to train you know others and just getting the word out there too that this is possible um that there are you know people who are trained in order to work through these types of of trauma and help you heal um because that's we talk about this on the podcast often but our focus is the healing part not the trauma um, we discuss the trauma and the ways to work through it because it's extremely important, but we really want our focus to be on the healing aspect and the being able to go forward um, without being stuck in that. And that's what you're doing. You're helping moms be able to do that, to to heal. And I'm so extremely thankful that I was able to get in contact with you and have you come on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am also really grateful that that worked out because I am really excited to just keep expanding my reach with this work. And um, just I, I cannot be more humbled and more excited about the results that I'm getting with with my clients, um, you know, doing my first two sessions, you know, putting myself out there and creating this thing and, you know, talking about perception of threat, right? Like, I'm just gonna, like, throw this out there and Maybe nobody will like it, but, you know, within my first two people that I saw, I was like, holy cow, this is something. And yeah. so I'm just, I'm so excited to continue 
sharing it and growing it um, because it, it matters. Birth matters like everything that we oh, go through. Yes. Such a defining experience in our life um, that encompasses like everything and it mm-hmm. matters. And so to be able to help when that hasn't gone right is just, just yeah, so important to me. Yeah, because birth stays with you the rest of your life. It does. Yeah, yeah. Almost every lady who I've gone to nursing homes with my children and stuff to talk to different women and sing songs with them and just come in and visit. And every single one, they see a baby or a young child in my arms, they want to tell me about their births. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's with you the rest of your life. So if you can take the time now to work on it and, and to heal or reframe it, um, in, in a way that is not going to bring back that trauma response and not going to have negative feelings, but it's going to be filled with positivity and filled with, you know, the, the joy from the birth that you really want, um, to be there, then that's going to just help you for the rest of your life. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to having you on the podcast again. I know that um, we're going to have you back on and I want to talk more into the provider um, aspect and and provider trauma too. Um, So we'll continue that on another podcast. But for now, um, have a good day and thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to talking more on the provider side of things with you. Thank you for listening. May you be encouraged and strengthened by what you've heard today. Remember, you are dearly loved by your Creator, so be who He created you to be. May you go in peace, friends. Till next time, Shalom.